Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. It's that time again. Time to evaluate and time to look ahead. All around are voices calling us to do something. Voices on TV urging us to act now. Voices on social media calling us to a manufactured ideal. Voices in our heads telling us this is going to be our time. All the while recalling our past failures. We desire a higher plane. We desire a bigger influence. We desire health, security, and rest. We want to be better. We want to be fit. Where do we start? How do we change? Is it even okay that we have these longings? God wants us to develop what he has given us. He wants us to progress spiritually. He wants us to manage our finances well. He wants us to honor him with our bodies. God wants us to be fit. Well, over the last three weeks, we have been talking about being fit. And this this is a series about having a healthy mind, body, and spirit. You are a whole person. You're not just a bunch of little parts. And it's hard to say that one of you is doing well and another part of you is doing bad and then say, hey, how are you doing today? You might say, "Uh, well, good. Which part? Well, part of me is doing good today. We want to be wholly healthy before our God. And God wants you to be healthy in every aspect of your being. He cares about your mind being healthy. He cares about your body being healthy, and he cares about your spirit being healthy. Speaking of healthy bodies, today is the birthday of my son, Will. He's turned seven. And it's also my dad's birthday. He's turned 79. Isn't that something? So next year, Will will turn eight, and my dad will turn 80, right? Those are some pretty good numbers. It's like we planned it. Our bodies are always growing. Our bodies are always changing. And so our, our time together, hopefully you have at least absorbed some of this passion for being healthy, having, having a fit body, mind, and spirit. And let me just real quickly remind you why, why we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks. First, your spiritual fitness matters. Your spiritual fitness matters, and this topic of being spiritually fit by and large, is the highest percentage topic talked about in the Bible. God cares about your spiritual fitness. And for so many people, your spiritual health is poor. There are a lot of people out there that have incredible physical physiques. There's a lot of people out there that have some amazingly beautiful minds. But spiritually, they are dead. And without a healthy spirit, It's all for naught. Listen, 
Your spiritual fitness matters because where your spirit goes, your mind follows. Where your spirit goes, your mind follows. As you grow in your relationship with the Lord, you will then be able to process all that life brings you in a whole new way, in a greater way, and in a, better, in a healthier way. Then your mental fitness matters because where your mind goes, your body follows. We started this discussion in the book of Numbers, right? Know your numbers. And we started to say, hey, God has given us a commandment to love him with all our body, our hearts, our minds, and our strength. So if God cares about all of those things, what does he talk about in the Bible? Well, Moses is the one who said you need to love God with all your mind. And the reason Moses said that was because he had experiences where he had trouble with his mind. And you see in the book of Numbers where Moses loses his temper, and he loses his temper because his mind was under attack. He was grieving, he was hurt, he was frustrated, and he was stressed. Because his mind wasn't in the right place. Because he was struggling with all of these attacks and all of these different emotions and feelings and thoughts, he made a mistake with his body. And he lost control. If we're able to have a healthy mind, your body will follow. And then as we continue to numbers, tonight we want to look at this. Your physical fitness matters because where your body goes, your strength follows. Where your body goes, your strength follows. So we've been asking, if there was one area in 2020 where you could improve, where you could get healthier, what area would that be? What is God speaking to you? Where is he encouraging you and challenging you? And where is he reminding you? And tonight, I want, to, I want to be very specific. We are not having this conversation to tear anybody down. We don't want to point our fingers at someone and say, you don't have a healthy mind or you don't have a healthy body or you're not healthy spiritually. That's not it at all. What we were doing in this conversation is we are encouraging you to strengthen yourself. We're encouraging you to do better. We're encouraging you to take your next step forward, whatever that may be. And so I'm excited that God may tonight speak to us specifically in a, in, in a hundred different ways as we think about our spiritual, mental, and physical fitness. We're going to be looking at our physical fitness from a, a passage in Numbers chapter 11 and 4 verse through 34. You can go there. We're not going to read the entire 30 verses together right now in this moment. We'll refer back to that. But as you're turning to Numbers chapter 11, I just kind of want to remind you why we are in the book of Numbers, right? Knowing your numbers is important for fitness. Knowing how many calories you have eaten and how many calories you have burned, how, what your income is versus your expenses. All of these things are important. And so knowing your numbers is a big deal. And if God said the most important commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, we want to know where that commandment came from. Well, that commandment came from Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. And the reason he wrote, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, is because of the book of Numbers. So everything that Moses experienced, everything that he went through, all the stories that we are told in Exodus and Numbers is summed up for us in Deuteronomy with this phrase, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Why did Moses just, why did he just say, love God with everything? Because Moses had seen that it was important that you love God with all your soul. Why did he, why did he just say, hey, make sure that you just love God a lot? Because Moses has seen that it was important that you love God with all of your mind. 
And Moses also knew that it's important that you love God with all of your body because he experienced it. So what does numbers have to do with physical fitness? Here's a thought that I want to leave with you tonight. Numbers chapter 11 encourages us with this thought. Don't be too weak to love God with all your strength. Don't be too weak to not love God with all your strength. Listen, God has something for you. He has a mission. He has a purpose. He's called you into a relationship with him so that you can be light and salt in this world. And sometimes we are physically too weak to love God with all our strength. Our physical fitness matters because there is something that God wants us to do and wants us to accomplish. But sometimes we literally can't do it because physically we're not fit. So this comes up in Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11 is the chapter where we're told how God was feeding two million people that were wandering in the wilderness. These guys were homeless. They had left Egypt. It was miraculous. It was incredible. Moses was leading the way. He, he led them through the Jordan River on dry land, and the, the river opened up, and it closed down again on the Egyptians, and they got out into the wilderness, and it was going to be a two- or three- or four-week trek to the Promised Land, but it turned out to be 40 years in the wilderness. And the book of Numbers is about why it was 40 years, and they chose to turn away from God, and so God said the whole generation had to die in the wilderness and the next generation would go in and he counted them and that's the book of Numbers. Two million people without a home, two million people without uh, crops to feed them and, and without uh, any supplies. They're just wanderers. How did they live? How did they survive? How did they physically make it without wasting away to nothing? Well, Numbers chapter 11, we're told about this stuff called manna. And what happened every morning... Six mornings of the week was manna would drop to the ground and they would collect it and use that as their food. So in Numbers chapter 11, verse 7 and 9, it says, The people went out and they gathered it, manna, and they ground it in the hand mills or they beat it in the mortars and they boiled it in pots and they made cakes out of it. And the taste of it was like the taste of cakes baked with oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna with it. On, on one day of the week, Sunday, this, or excuse me, Sabbath, Saturday, that was a day of rest. Manna didn't fall, so they collected twice as much on Friday, but they only had enough for the day that God supplied. And they cooked it, and they ate it, and they lived. And they cooked it lots of different ways, because could you imagine manna every day? So, God was providing physically for his people who were on mission, who were on a task. They needed to accomplish something. And he was making sure that they would have the physical strength to do what it is he would have them to do. Now, here's a principle from this truth. God provides everything you need for physical fitness. God is the one who provides everything that you need for physical fitness. As we've been having this discussion not only here at Branch Life, but also in the other world that we all live in, social media. There's been a very real conversation about the advantages that, that some cultures have, even in our country, versus others. For those that are wealthier and more affluent, you have access to more help 
with your physical needs, whether it's more medication or different kinds of food. But for other people who live in poverty, they don't have access to fresh food or fresh fruit or those kinds of things that, that people use for diets are more expensive and they're just scraping to get by, so they're just grabbing whatever it is they can get in a given day, whether it's healthy or not. Someone said healthy living is expensive living. It's expensive to follow these diets and to, to have uh, all the stuff that you need to be healthy in today's day and age. Listen, that is a very, very real issue that faces many people that we know and love. And it may be a reality for you, not having the means to be able to pursue what it is you want to pursue. But this truth still stands. No matter if you're affluent or if you're poor, no matter if you're an American or a Russian, God still provides everything you need for physical fitness. God provides everything you need for physical fitness. Now, this was a question that I wrestled with myself. It wasn't too long ago that I was twice the man I used to be. And I, I was just a, a, a few months ago 65 pounds heavier than I am now. And I didn't talk about it very much. So this is hard for me. One of the things that I struggled with the most was my physical fitness. And every now and then I would complain to my wife and she would ask me what was wrong and I would say, I just, I don't like being overweight. I don't like losing my breath when I walk up the stairs. I don't like being able to not keep up with my nephew who's like the coolest kid in the world. And I would get all discouraged and dejected inside. And she would say something like, honey, I'll help you. You can do it. You're all right. You're not that bad. And would just love on me. But man, I wrestled with this. And then you, you take a truth, right? And some preacher tells you somewhere that God gives you everything you need for physical fitness. And you ask yourself this question, well, if God's provided everything I need for physical fitness, why am I not physically fit? And I would stand, I would ask myself that question over and over and over again. And it's one of those things where I really did want to change badly. It wasn't for lack of desire, it wasn't for lack of passion, it wasn't for lack of motivation. I was motivated and I tried over and over and over again to lose weight and to, and to get healthier and to be fit and and I just kept failing at it over and over and over again. I have struggled with my weight my entire life. There has not ever been a moment that I can't remember weight being an issue for me. I'm one of those guys that if I look at a donut, I gain 10 pounds. It's just kind of not fair, right? And that was, that was the journey for me. And those seasons in my life where I was active or I was a part of a sports team, I did better than seasons in my life where I would sit still. And I just found myself in a longer season than I'd ever been in, where I had gotten out of shape. Now, we're talking about physical fitness tonight in terms of the things that you have control over. There are some of you in here that are struggling with physical fitness, but it's not because of anything you have done or not done. It's something totally out of your control. You've gotten sick. You've been diagnosed with something. You've been in an accident of some kind. And, and for you, you're sitting here wrestling with, well, I, I, there's nothing I can do about this particular problem. Listen, God still has provided everything you need for physical fitness, but for you, it's going to look and be different. And he's calling you to be as fit as you can be with what's under your control. 
As far as what's under our control, God gives us everything that we need for physical fitness. For me, I had no diagnosed reason for being overweight. But in 2017, here I am with Delaney, and I was probably in this range somewhere at my max weight that I'd ever been in my whole life. And I'd gone down and up a couple of times. In 2018, we did a baptism service here at Camp Sankinac. I just want to show you how much this bothered me. I wore three shirts to baptize someone that Sunday because I was embarrassed about my weight. A plaid shirt, the regular shirt that we give out, and then the shirt underneath to make sure the shirt on the outside didn't look that bad. This is what I thought about before baptisms, was my lack of physical fitness. But then something changed between 2018 and 2019. And tonight, if if my opening up about my story can be any kind of encouragement to you, I hope that it is. And that's why we tell it tonight. And I don't want to point to me or anything I've done. I've still got a lot to learn. There's like a 50-50 chance that I don't like end up this way next year, right? I totally understand that. I'm a work in progress just like everybody else. But God has allowed me to learn and to grow in a way that, that I never have been able to before. And I, if I can do it, in other words, anybody can. Because... God has given you everything you need to be physically fit. Tonight, I'm not going to go into details about my dieting plan and all that kind of stuff, although people have asked me about that. So tomorrow night on Facebook Live, I am going to share this with everybody who wants to listen to. We'll talk over exactly what worked for me and what didn't work and some of the things that I've learned over this past year. And I'm going to talk about um, uh, not only the physical stuff that happened, but also the spiritual stuff. Because for me, over this last year, my physical transformation was not just physical, it was also spiritual. And it was because of my spiritual growth that I was able to do something physically that I had never been able to do before. It was because of my relationship with God. It was because of his leading. It was because I was able to trust him that this journey was even made possible. I didn't muscle through this out of sheer willpower. I got through it because God was leading the way. And so God can do that for me, and he can do that for you, whatever it is you need physically. I will give you one piece of advice tonight that we'll talk about more tomorrow night on live. It's know your numbers. Know your numbers. One of the, one of the most practical things that happened to me was I learned so much about what it was I was eating and what it was I was burning on a given day. And the thing, the tool that helped me with this the most was this app, and it's free. It's called MyFitnessPal. And if you just did this one thing with physical fitness, it would help you tremendously. For two weeks, just log everything that you eat into this app. Don't change your diet. Don't try to figure it out. Just be disciplined enough to say, you know what? This is what I ate. And it will tell you, it will break down your numbers. And it'll let you know if your numbers were balanced or out of balance, if it was too much or if it was too little. And this just will give you information that you will need to make a plan to move forward. And this has helped me so, so much as I've been able to kind of learn and made it so easy in today's age just to kind of know your numbers. So this is one great tool. We can connect together on this. I would be glad to cheer you on over this platform. It's also a social platform. And we can, we can keep each other accountable or whatever that may be. But as you are growing in physical fitness, what's one practical thing you can do just to know your numbers? Grab my fitness pal. But here's from the book of Numbers three things that God has done for all of our physical fitness that sometimes we forget. And it's three things that I learned through this year. Number one, 
What happens when we're not physically fit? We forget God is the one who provides. We forget God is the one who provides. And for so many years, I, had, I thought that I had to do this myself. And that's why I didn't tell anybody but my wife. I, I didn't really talk to God about it that much, except for when I was really sad. But we often forget that God is the one who provides. Look at Numbers chapter 11, verses 21 through 23. And Moses said, the people among who I am number 600,000, excuse me, the people among who I am, so everyone who's around me, is 600,000 on foot. That's 600,000 men that were in the nation of Israel that were wandering around wilderness. So if you add women and children, that's where you get to the 2 million number. And you, God, have said, this is God, I will give them meat that they may eat the whole month. So in Numbers chapter 11, they were getting manna, and all of a sudden the people began to complain. And they said, God, we want meat. And so God said to Moses, I'll give them meat. And Moses said, what? And God said, I'll give them meat. And Moses said, how? There's two million people. How are they going to, shall the flocks and the herds be slaughtered for them? God, are you going to kill all our cattle? We don't have enough cattle to fill, give everyone meat. And this won't even be, or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them? And will that be enough? So Moses was kind of perturbed. He's like, God, they're just a bunch of whining complainers. And you're giving them manna every day, and they just can't handle it. What are we going to do? Are we going to suck up all the fish in the sea, and then they're still going to complain some more? So Moses is like going at God, right? He's not happy with him. And the Lord said to Moses, this is a smackdown moment. Is the Lord's hand shortened? Do you not think I can bring them meat, Moses? Who do you think I am? I am God. Do you think that my arm can't reach long enough and far enough to find meat somewhere for a measly two million people who need it? You will see whether my word will come true or not. So many times when we fail in our spiritual, mental, or physical fitness, we fail because we forget that it's God who provides. And we start depending on ourselves and not depending on God. This is the entire message of the book of Numbers. God in the center. God in the middle. God is the one in the tabernacle. And the rest of the camp is around God. But so many times we put God in his little Sunday shelf. And we keep him there. And then we try to live the rest of our lives our way. Physically, mentally, relationally, and financially. And then we go, what's wrong? Why can't I figure this out? And God is going, listen. I can do it. I can handle it. My arms are long enough to wrap around your problem. Trust me and watch. I can take care of it. Whatever your problem, wherever you're falling short, wherever you need to become more fit, God has to be put at the center. In Exodus chapter 16, he says this. This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept through, of it, that being manna, kept throughout your generation so that they may see the bread which fell in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. 
What had happened was the people of Israel had forgot that God was the one who provides. And God was so passionate that the people shouldn't forget this, that he said, listen, I want you to keep some manna for all of them to see. In the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies, was a golden box with two angels on the top of it, golden angels, called the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant stayed at the center of camp, in the center of the tabernacle, and it was where God's presence would sit. And then when they would move, the, the Ark of the Covenant would go in front of the nation, below the cloud, below the fire, and they would carry it in a certain way. And if they messed up with the Ark, they died. One time they were carrying the Ark, and it started to tip over, and one of the priests put his hand up to steady it, to save it, but they're not allowed to touch it. And he touched it, and that priest died. This was special. This was demonstrating God's centrality in the nation of Israel. There were only three things in the gold box. Three. One, the Ten Commandments. Two, Aaron's rod that blossomed. You can look that up. And three, a jar of manna. Why a jar of manna in the Ark of the Covenant? From generation to generation to generation, so that every dad would say to every son, to say to every grandson, God is the one who provides. Don't ever forget that God is the one who provides. Who are you depending on now to solve the problems that you have? Right now. If it's not God, you're wrong. Listen, God is the one who provides. And he cared so passionately. And he knew, he knew that we would forget this. He knew that this would be our struggle. That he made it a permanent fixture for the nation of Israel inside the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark, the manna was in the center of the Ark, which was in the center of the tabernacle, which was in the center of the camp. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. So keep God at the center of your physical fitness and he will provide. Keep God at the center of your physical fitness and he will provide. Let me just tell you very specifically how this happened to me. So about a year ago, a little bit over a year ago, I was in one of my little self-pity parties and I was very discouraged about where I was with my physical fitness journey. And I remember sitting all by myself up in my room. And I had just had a conversation with somebody, and they were asking me about planning a church, and they were asking me what had changed in the last year. And I had gone through this big, grand explanation of God doing some incredible things that I could never do, because I had prayed, we had prayed like never before. My prayer life had just transformed over the last couple of years. I saw God just do miraculous things. He answered prayer after prayer after prayer after prayer. I felt his presence. I saw him leading me and guiding me. And here I was up in my room and I was discouraged about my weight. And I just, I don't know, I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit speaking one of those moments. I realized in that moment, if God can answer this big prayer about planning a church, he can answer this little prayer about me losing weight. And I had prayed a thousand times before, but it wasn't, it wasn't like this, and it wasn't with this seriousness. And I remember getting down on my knees, and I, I don't like to pray for myself very much. I know that sounds like 
a piece of humble pie that makes me sound great, but all of a sudden I just was like, God, I'm going to talk about me for a second, and I'm really struggling here, and I'm really hurting here, and I've seen you do some incredible things, and I know that you can help me with this. Would you help me with this? And over the next few days and few weeks, God answered that prayer so specifically that there is nothing that I can do to take the credit for it. And tomorrow night I'm going to talk about some of those things in general, but the first thing he did, it led to a conversation with my wife who was already thinking along these same lines and already had a plan to help me. And Jenny said, Josh, whatever you want to do, I'll do it with you. And of course I knew she would do that. She always said she would do that. But we're like, great, let's go for this. And then within three days, I was on a phone call with two men that would become my coaches and would coach me through this next year free of charge. They never, I never pay them a dollar. And I don't, to this day, I can't tell you how I connected with them because they're not even from Pennsylvania. But those conversations and the few that followed were what God used to see this transformation happen in my life. Here's the second thing that happened when we struggle with fitness. The second thing that happens is we complain about what God provides. We complain about what God provides. So first, if your physical fitness or your spiritual fitness or your mental fitness is not right, you might have forgotten that God's the one providing. But another problem that we often have is we can, we can forget, or excuse me, we can complain about what it is that God gives us. Look at Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. And the people of Israel also wept again. They wept. They wept. Oh, that we had meat to eat. Remember the fish we ate in Egypt. And it cost nothing. Of course they were slaves. Being forced to do manual labor in the sun while being whipped. But the fish was free. <laughs> the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. And mm. But now our strength is dried up and there's nothing at all but this manna to look at. <laughs> God, thanks for the manna, but no thanks. God, thanks for the help, but no thanks. God, I wanted help, but I didn't want that help. I want to do it this, I want to fix my relationship this way. I want, to, I want to use my money that way. I want to think and be angry and hurt this way. I don't want to do it your way. God, thanks, but no thanks. About eight years ago, I went on a mission trip with a kid named Tyler Rutherford who played drums for us today. This is little Tyler eight years ago. This is big Josh eight years ago. We went down to Jamaica for a mission trip, and we got down there, and the, the mission trip was set up in such a way that there was a crowd of like six or seven Jamaican ladies who were providing our meals for us. So we got there, and there was, I don't know, 15 or 20 of us teenagers and adults, and we got into this meal, and we came out, and there was this spread of, of like mounds of chicken and pineapple and plantains and fruit that I couldn't tell you what it was. And we ate this stuff, and it was the best meal I think we have ever had. I mean, those chickens were alive that morning and in our bellies that night. This was fresh food, and it was awesome. And everybody in the group, we had a little huddle that night about our trip, and we had the trip go, and everyone was like, I praise the Lord for the chicken and these ladies that made us the food. It was awesome. It was great. 
The next day, we go in to have lunch, and it's the same chicken and the same fruit and the same pineapple, same plantains. And everyone's like, yes, leftovers. We didn't get enough yesterday. And they dove in again. And for dinner, we had the same thing. And then lunch the next day and the next day. And then the fourth day and the fifth day, it was literally the same meal every day. And the teenagers went from our huddle going, thank you, God, for the chicken and the plantains to, I'm sick of chicken and plantains. <laughs> Can someone tell them to please make us something else? We're like, no, guys, we're going to be grateful. We're going to eat whatever it is they provide for us, and we're just thankful for it. By the middle of week two, kids were sneaking out to the local grocery store and buying Lucky Charms. <laughs> Taking their meat and feeding it to the animals and sneaking back to their room and eating Lucky Charms. Now, how healthy are Lucky Charms? Not that healthy. It's like eating sugar for breakfast. And they were swapping a good, healthy meal that was provided for them for some junk food. And they were happy about it. Because they were not grateful for what God had provided them. But I understand it, and you would be upset too if you had the same meal every day. That's where the Israelites were. And they started complaining. And in Numbers chapter 11, they started complaining. But listen to this. Complaints are just excuses in disguise. Complaints are just excuses in disguise. And one of the worst things that you can do for your physical fitness journey is to complain and to have excuses. There are probably a thousand reasons why you don't want to start that plan. There's probably a hundred reasons why you don't want to talk to somebody about it. There's probably 15 things that you can bring up that would stop you from doing it. What you know you need to do. What you know God wants you to do. Whether it's with your money, with your relationships, with your mind, with your spiritual life. There's probably, you're saved and you're not baptized yet. You have, you have an excuse for why you haven't done it yet. There's some reason, there's some complaint that you have, it's too wet, it's not the right time of year, I don't have relatives here to watch me do it. God didn't say, get saved and then wait for your relatives to come into town and get baptized. God said, repent and be baptized, period. Let's do it. But for some reason, we complain. No, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do it, I can't, I can't, I can't. And for me, in my physical fitness journey, it was, I can't tell anybody. I can't let anybody know that this hurts my feelings when someone makes a fat joke. I can't tell anyone that I don't like to go to the beach and hang out with people there because I'm self-conscious. I don't want anyone to know that. So I'll make fun of myself, and I'll be the first one to point out that, that it's, that's not going well and that I'm out of breath, and so that you won't have to do it for me. That was my complaint. But when, when God convicted me of that and he said, stop and get help, man, it changed everything. <laughs> Stop complaining and just go for it. And do what it is you know you're supposed to do. And the third reason we might, be not, we might not be fit is because we misuse what God provides. Because we misuse what God provides. Number chapter 11, jumping to verses 18 and 20. After God had provided, uh, heard their complaint, and God had a little smackdown with Moses, he said, And now say to the people, Concentrate yourselves for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. Yeah, they complained. Yeah, they whined. But God forgave them. He understood. He's sending a meat. And the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. And you shall not eat just one day, or two days, or five days, or ten days, 
or 20 days, but you will eat meat for a whole month. Thank you. Thank you very much, God. This is awesome. He's saying, listen, I'm going to provide for you for a whole month. I'm going to give you meat every day for a whole month. Now here's what happened. Then a wind from the Lord sprang up and brought quail from the sea and let them fall beside the camp. Listen to this. About a day's journey on this side and a day's journey on the other side. There were so many quail that it took them a day's journey from either side before there was no quail. Around the camp and about two cubits above the ground. So for two days journey in any direction, there was two cubits worth of quail everywhere you went. And the people rose all that day and all that night and all the next day and gathered the quail. And those who gathered least gathered ten homers. So I don't know what a homer is, or I didn't know what a homer was. I, I figured it was a Simpsons character until I read this. And what a, what a homer is, is it's, a back, it's, it's like the back of a pickup truck full of stuff. And so the person who gathered the least gathered a pickup truck full of dead quail. God said, I'm going to give you meat every day. Here's the, here's the instructions. Just take what you need, and there's going to be more tomorrow. And then take what you need tomorrow, and there's going to be more. So God said, here's the meat. And they said, nom, 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 nom. They grabbed it, and they freaked out, and they were like, I'm going to eat as much as I can. I haven't, I've only had manna for 30 years. Here's the meat. So they started pigging out on the meat. Quail and pigs, it could have been a title for this chapter. While the meat was yet between their teeth, before it was consumed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord struck down the people with a very great plague. They misused what God had provided. A couple of years ago, Jenny asked me to go to um, pick up some apples on my way home from work. I said, sure, I can pick up some apples. Just go to the grocery store. Go to Giant, okay, and go. In, there's a, there's some apples in the apple section. Super. So I go into Giant and I turn the corner, and I was dumbfounded. I now did not know what to do because this is what I saw. <laughs> I, I had no idea this was going to happen. I, I pick up an. I just thought there was going to be some red apples and I was going to get some. Now I had decisions to make. I, there was different prices, there was different colors, there was different flavors, and there was granny apples and Washington apples and candy apples. And I just looked at myself and I went, this is an embarrassment of riches. I mean, who, who but us gets to walk into a grocery store and have a mountain of apples to pick from? I've been in other countries where they are just scraping by to get a meal together. Yet we go into these giant warehouses that get bigger and bigger, and we can have any food we want. As a matter of fact, as I was coming home from Walmart last night to buy myself some honeycomb, yeah, that's right, I ate honeycomb. <laughs> they were saying on the radio that they're going to build little automated food centers where robots are going to pick out our food, and we can just punch it into our phone and go and pick it up, and they're going to drop it off in our car, and then we can just drive away with it. We have all kinds of provision from God. We live in the wealthiest, wealthiest times in the wealthiest country of anyone in any place. And we wonder why we struggle with weight issues. We wonder why we struggle with, with eating too much. 
and with gluttony because we literally have it at our fingertips at all times. And this became a huge reality for me. Just because it's there, just because I can, doesn't mean I should. And God is providing for us, and God is giving you provision, everything you need for physical health, but don't misuse what God provides. You cannot out-exercise a bad diet. You can't do it. A lot of people, and this is, this is tip number two for me, a lot of people think, you know what, I'm just going to jog a little more. When you jog for about an hour, you can burn 400 to 600 calories. That's four or six pieces of cheese. And we'll go for a jog and run for 30 minutes and burn 300 calories, and then we'll eat a 3,000 calorie meal because we just ran. 75% of the battle physically, physical fitness wise, is what you eat. And if you can transform just your diet, I'm not necessarily saying go on a fad diet. I'm saying if you can transform what it is you are eating, you will transform your body. Another fun fact, your skin is literally what you've eaten for the last three months. Are you excited about that? Or are you disgusted by that? You can't out-exercise a bad diet. So if physical fitness is an issue that you want to tackle in 2020, start here. And see what God does. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 31. So whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. It's hard to abuse food for the glory of God. It's hard to abuse a relationship or your finances or your spiritual well-being for the glory of God. But when you glorify God in every area of your life, including what you eat or drink, when you put him at the center, you are able to say, God, all of this is through you and for you and, and for your glory. I will point to God with my mind, with my luck, with my finances, with my physical wellness, and with my spiritual well-being. So whether it's physical fitness, mental fitness, or spiritual fitness, will you glorify God? And will you put him at the center? Don't be too weak to love God with all of your strength. God's place is at the center of your mind. So we've asked ourselves over the last three weeks, why did Moses say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind? And we learned that Moses experienced all of these areas in the book of Numbers. He saw how important it was to love God with all your soul, to have a spiritually healthy mindset, to be spiritually active, to discipline your spiritual life, to have spiritual exercises like being a part of a church, like worshiping, like prayer, like reading your Bible, so that you can be spiritually fit. Moses saw how important your mind is and how it leads the way. And you're not supposed to be controlled by your emotions, but you're supposed to control your emotions through your mind. And you strengthen your mind through mental exercises that God points out all through Scripture. And we talked about that online just this past week. And God cares about your physical fitness, and he wants to be at the center of your physical fitness. And so God will provide for you everything that you need. Don't forget that. Don't complain about it. And don't misuse what it is God has provided. So if there's something that you need to change in 2020 to become more fit in any of those areas, you need to change it. If something's got to change, something's got to change. So let me ask you this question as we close. Why are you living the way that you live? 
Why are you living the way that you live spiritually? Is your spiritual life connected to Christ? Are you growing in your relationship with God? It will make all the difference in the world. And if God is not a part of your spiritual life, tonight I want to ask you, I want to invite you into a relationship with God. Why are you living the way that you live? And who are you living for? Why are you living the way that you live in your mental life, in the way that you think, in the way that your mind acts? Why are you living the way that you live physically? And who are you living for? If the answer is anything but God, you are not fit. But with God's help, with God at the center, you can become fit in any area of life. So I want to ask you over the next couple of minutes to spend some time reflecting and using your next step cards to do just that. After this time of reflection, we're going to sing another song and then our ushers are going to come and collect these cards. And I want to encourage you to write down some feedback for us about what needs to change in your life. Write down something that you would like us to pray for. Write down something that was impactful to you in tonight's conversation or in the last couple of weeks. What has God spoken to you in the area of spiritual fitness, mental fitness, and physical fitness? And what, what do you need to do to allow God to be at the center of any or all of those areas? Will you begin a time of reflection where you talk to God about these things? Can I pray over this with you and then say a couple more things before, as the worship team comes up? God, as we take our cards and we ask ourselves this question, what needs to change? Will you answer that very specifically in our lives? God, will you, will you build us up? Will you strengthen us? Will you encourage us in these areas? God, in some of these places, we've all fallen short and may continue to fall short. But Lord, we want to put you at the center. God, help us to be able to love you with all our heart, soul, and mind. And help God that to transform everything about who we are. So that we can be wholly healthy for your glory and for your honor. In your precious name we pray. Amen. As you write in your cards, I just want to remind you of a couple of things. Our theme verse for this whole passage has been the commandment in Deuteronomy and repeated in Luke and Matthew. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do this, and you will live. Is there an area in your life where you're discouraged, where you feel trapped, where you are brokenhearted, where you're beat down? For me, a year ago, it was my physical fitness. Maybe it's your finances, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's your emotions, maybe it's your mind, maybe it's your marriage. It could be anything. If there's an area in your life where you're not really living, you feel like you're just barely getting by, God wants you to live. He wants you to really live. Jesus has come to give us life and to give us life more abundantly. And with Christ, you can live the fullest of lives. So what is that area that needs to change? Continue writing on your cards. We looked at the book of Numbers and we looked at the picture that's demonstrated for us there. That God is supposed to be the center of our mind, the center of our strength, the center of our soul, the center of our heart. So if there's an area where you're just barely getting by, maybe God's not at the center of it. And what are the exercises that you need to do or the steps that you need to take to bring God to that center? Maybe you're barely getting to church each week. 
Maybe you're, maybe you're not throughout the week reading your Bible. Maybe with your mind you're not copying Christ. Or you're not renewing your mind. Or you're not thinking about the praiseworthy thing instead of you're thinking about the negative thing. With your physical fitness, maybe you've forgotten that God is the one who provider. Maybe you're misusing what he's provided. What do you need to do to change and to put God in the center for 2020? Rob's going to play a little bit longer and allow you just to reflect on these thoughts and these questions. And after that, we'll sing a song.